What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Gold and Silver. Um, it's Molly, it's Teddy, you know, you know, and we're back talking playoff hockey, New York Mets baseball, and New York football. Buckle up, get ready, it's gonna be a ride. As we are recording this, it is 10, 12, and 20 seconds on Thursday, May the 5th, and the official series between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers is tied at 1-1. Should it be 2-0 Rangers? Maybe. Are we going to talk about that? Of course we're going to talk about that. I will say, yes, it it should be 2-0 Rangers, but it's not the refs who blew it, it's the Rangers who blew it. I agree. I see both sides of the equation. Should the Rangers, it took the, it was sad, it's a sad thing to say that it took three, two, a little over two overtimes for a team to score. The Rangers had plenty of chances in the first two overtimes, but the other thing is that everyone's run out of gas, obviously, like, I think it all, it's like endurance issues and trying to find opportunity issues, and it was just, it Honestly, should there have been a goal earlier? Of course. You know, what happened happened? Yes. Yeah, I get that. It's also that the Penguins are tired, too. So it's not just maybe should there have been a goal earlier, you know, with the home crowd. It's also like they should have been able to outlast the Penguins, in my opinion. Because you look at it, and Igor Shosturkin, don't get me wrong, he had a great game. But also at that point where it's a much slower game because you're at that point in the game, everyone's tired, as you said. Maybe, like, I don't know. I just think that game, the Penguins kind of outlasted them, and they waited it out, and then they had the moment, and they scored. And I said the Rangers, like you said, had moments earlier where they would have been able to score. That being said, that was, like, a back-breaking moment, and they were able to rebound. Because 2-0 going to Pittsburgh, series isn't over, but it's basically over. If you know what I'm saying, it's it's – a horrible situation to be in. So they avoided disaster by winning tonight. But again, it's still not a success because when you are the home team in a playoff series and it comes to games one and two, you are looking to go up 2-0. That is your goal. It's a success if you go up 2-0. Otherwise, it's not a success. Now, if you win a game in Pittsburgh, it's a success. That's good. But when you are at home, if you don't go up 2-0, it's not a success. It's not necessarily a failure, but it's not a success. And they had a chance to go up 2-0. It was a long game, lots of opportunities. They were up 2-0 at one point. Like, they had a chance. The Penguins were on their third-string goalie. They could have been up 2-0, and they're not. So they avoided disaster, but it's still not necessarily what they would have wanted. And what's going to be interesting is to see those games 3-4 and four, because the series can shift. In crazy ways. It could be 3-1 Penguins going to Game 5, which would be very bad for the Rangers. It could be 3-1 Rangers going back to the Garden, which would be very good for the Rangers. It could be 2-2. This could be a long series. These are two, what looks to me, like evenly matched teams. However, the Penguins do have that goalie issue, so it's going to be tough to see. If DeSmith comes back, though, this series could go very long. Penguins could win this series. Yeah, I agree. I honestly think what my original thought was, honestly, Rangers and I originally thought Rangers and six, which I think is a reasonable thing. But seeing how evenly matched these teams are, 
and especially watching the first game, how the first period of the first of game one was all Rangers. It was all Rangers. Second period, all Penguins. Third period, uh, this is just regulation. Third period was evenly matched. A little more Penguins, but pretty much Rangers were right under there. But tonight's game, I felt like, was very evenly matched. There were a lot of hits, lots of opportunities, um, definitely a lot of just I'm, I mean, I understand this is playoff hockey, but there is a lot of just body and hitting. And I appreciate that. Honestly, I think that's what makes hockey an entertaining sport, just to see all the hitting and all the physical contact. I, I think it's cool. But even like, obviously, it's extremely dangerous at the same time. You have to properly execute the hit at the same time. Um, so I appreciate the fact that the Rangers weren't getting called a lot on their hits because that means they're properly executing hits, obviously. But then you have like these BS hits. Like there was this one hit in the, I don't know who it was, but a Penguins player, this was game two. Um, a Penguins player just pretty much rammed right into Sturkin. He was down for a good two minutes. He just got the wind knocked out of him. He's fine. Thank God. Um, but he easily could have curved the other way, but he just shoulder lowered the shoulder. That's how you know it. That's how you know it's not lowered the shoulder. That's how you know. Was this in the beginning of the game? No, it was the end. Okay, then I don't know, because yeah. I saw him go down in the beginning of the game, but I think it was co- incidental collision with a Rangers player, so I was just going to... Oh, yeah. So, shoulder went down. Obviously, skates were curved into Sturkin. Bam, right Sturkin right on the ice, which he fell, which was great. So, obviously, a lot of body contact. And it, honestly, that makes... Honestly, body contact is also a very important factor, even though it doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, it's 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 a tough series. Seems gritty so far, even though the Rangers kind of controlled the pace towards the end of game two in that last period, just score-wise. Um, but yeah, it looks to be a back and forth, and I'm excited for it because it looks like a good series, and from somebody who really doesn't have a team in that series, it's exciting to watch. Penguins just got to figure out that goalie issue, though, if they want to make it a, a real series because long-term games four or five in the later games in the series it's not sustainable um but just what i like to see about the rangers the team is that they did not make excuses when like a lot of their fans did they came back in game two with a lot of intensity they didn't come back complaining about some goaltender interference call which by the way i think was the right call but right or wrong they can't change it so even though the fans were upset about it and some of the fans were complaining about it, the team was not. The team came back with that intensity, which is what you like to see and which is what the right thing for them to do. Um, but just in like addition to that, seeing them bounce back in that way is very impressive. I mean, the most impressive thing about the Lightning on in these past two years when they've gone on this run is they have never lost back-to-back games. They're 15-0 after losing a game, like the next game in the series, which is what makes them so hard to beat in a series because you can't get two games on them, so you can't break them down because they'll get two games on you. So even if you win game one, they'll win game two and three, and then you have no way of of getting back because you're not winning too straight against them. So the, the way to bounce back from those games, that's a very impressive thing to do, and that'll show to be very helpful as the playoffs get later late later in the first round and in later rounds yeah i i agree obviously this is going to be a long series 
these teams are evenly matched. I think it honestly, it could go either way. Honestly, it could honestly, I'm willing to put money down. We're going to a game seven. I think it's very likely with how evenly matched these two teams are. Like this is playoff hockey at its finest, what we're dealing with right now. And all around the league too. Like, you know, you've we have a couple matchups that are very heavy in favor of some other teams. Um <clears throat> Bruins Canes. And we have some other we have some other matchups that are obviously going that are very evenly matched and we'll probably go to a game seven. It'll be a very fun and long series to watch. Yeah. I I I really think it could go to game seven. I, I just I think like the Penguins, they need to Smith back. They're on their third string goalie right now, and it's not it's not great. Going into the third period, the Penguins had the first nine shots on goal. Then the Rangers, I believe it was their first two. It was definitely back to back shots. They they both went. It was goals. It went from a three two game to a five two game in a matter of less than two minutes, and that changed the game from very close could be tied any second to the game is over, barring a huge comeback or some miracle for the Penguins, and. One of the TNT announcers said, if the Penguins really want to have a shot in this series, they need to fix their goaltending problem. So, DeSmith, I'm not sure what the timeline is on his injury. DeSmith is listed as day-to-day right now. Day-to-day, that's I believe it's a lower body injury. I might be wrong, but it's a lower body, lower body day-to-day injury. That's very good for Penguins fans because that means – any game now, he could be back, and it means it's not all that serious. Which is, if it was very serious, the Penguins would be in a very bad position. Yeah. Because their goaltending is just not sustainable at this point. But once he's back, it's it's going to be a great series if yeah. if he's back. But just on other series around the league... I want to talk about the Capitals-Panthers series. Because okay. this series, I feel like, has been very wishy-washy in a way. I by far thought the Panthers had this series in the bag. And then all of a sudden, the Capitals come out first game, and I think they win it like 5-0? 4-2. Basically, yeah. Like, put up four goals. I was, and they're not even, and they weren't even home and they put up four goals. I was very impressed. And I was like, this is, I'm going to watch out for this series because I think this could be a very entertaining series that also has a good match. Also, it's a good chance of going to a higher, more hot, more games. Because, like I said, also, I mean, looking at the scores right now, like, I don't, it's it's weird because Florida had a very, Florida led the league overall at the end of the season. President's trophy, yeah. Exactly. So, I was now, it's just really cool how, I think it's amazing how the Capitals are able to compete with these teams, with the Caps are doing so well competing with the Panthers. I mean, tonight didn't go their way. They lost one to five. But I'm just saying, I was very impressed by that. Yeah. The thing with that is I think as I think the Caps put up an impressive performance in game one. But I think more importantly, it's the fact that the Panthers, year after year, regardless of their situation, underperformed the playoffs. You look at last year, they had two games against the Lightning to end the regular season. They won both of those games. That got them home ice in the next series. What they do in the next series? Lost the first two games at home, and then I think they lost the game, the series in six games. It was either five or six games. Point is, the Lightning had control of the series the whole time. Granted, the Lightning won the cup, but still, year after year, the Panthers have struggled to get out of the first round. 
one of the longest droughts in hockey. I don't know the exact number of years. I think somewhere around 20 years out of the first round. This year, I think they'll be able to get out of the first round, but I see them losing in the second round. That's my prediction. I mean, obviously, Avalanche are up one nothing. I think they are, obviously, the Avs, I feel like are going to win that series. Every other series right now, I believe, is, um, well, obviously, the games are still being played, but um, Kings and Oilers is 1-1, Blues Wild 1-1, Leafs to Leafs Lightning is 1-1, and Canes Bruins is 2-0. Yeah, I, I would say the two most lopsided series, as it looks at this point, are Canes Bruins and Avalanche Predators. Oh, Avalanche Predators is 1-1 right now in the game, but the Avalanche just destroyed game one, and I think they'll probably win game two. They'll, I would be shocked if they lost the series. Yeah, I I do I I ha- I've watched the Preds a little bit over the league over the season. I do like the Preds, but I do not think they'll be able to win this series against the Avalanche. The Avalanche are an amazing. They're an amazing hockey team. They're on a whole other level. Like I'm like you know me, you know me, guys. Rangers fan, full blood. The Avalanche are on a whole other level of hockey skill hockey amazingness hockey iq like they're on a whole other level yeah i think it's going to be exciting to watch i think a lot of the series are going to go later um i I think it's just going to be fun to watch and i'm excited um a, a lot of the series could go either way because you see these games like when you look at the difference in between game one and game two, for example, in the LA Edmonton series. Oh, yes. It's it's huge because yes. the Kings take control in Edmonton. They're able to eke out a game one win. And then out of nowhere, the Kings get shut out 6 nothing. Very mm-hmm. back, back and forth. And I think a lot of these series are going to be lengthy. Ruined series. I could see it as a sweep. That's that. I, I mean, that could that be over in four? Possibly. Could it be over in five? More likely. Yeah, they could get one out at the Garden, Boston Garden. Yeah, TD Garden. Garden. I'm sorry. TD Garden. TD Garden. The Boston people will come for me. It's TD Garden now. <laughs> I can picture um, people. In, I can picture people in my Snapchat right now being like, "It's the Boston Garden. Come to the shop." It's the TD Garden. Come to the shop. Um. But yeah, it's just very exciting playoff series. Mm-hmm. A group of playoff series. And also, I think ESPN has done a great job broadcasting. Honestly, playoffs. I'm going to go on a hot take here. TNT over ESPN. I mean, I don't know. I've been watching a bunch of the games on ESPN. Um, well, I think certainly the video quality is better on ESPN. Duh. But just but, commentator-wise and analysis-wise, TNT over ESPN. When you have Wayne Gretzky on your intermission report desk, I think you're a little bit... Yeah, but, but ESPN has Mark Messier and Chris Chelios, so, like, they're not playing a hockey game. No, they're talking yeah, about but... It. Wayne Gretzky. That's the beauty of it. You have both of them, mm-hmm. and so it's like... They they now have the two deals where you go from the NBC thing, which was fine, but it was nothing special. And now you have these much greater enhanced, not only commentating, but the intermission crew, I think is definitely a huge step up from NBC. I would say that. Mm-hmm.
So the Mets, wow, they just had at least so far their greatest comeback this season. I hope in three weeks they come back from like 25 to one hmm. and then that's their greatest of this season. But they were down seven nothing at one point in this game up till the sixth inning. They were down seven one going into the ninth inning and they came back. They scored seven runs in the ninth inning, seven runs in order to beat the Phillies in Philadelphia. Great comeback, almost reminiscent of that game in St. Louis a few weeks ago, but this is just much better. The St. Louis game, they only needed two runs to tie the game. This one, they needed six. It just, it means so much more, and it shows how well this team has done. A funny thing about the St. Louis game was in St. Louis, Scherzer pitched a gem, and the bullpen gave St. Louis a lead. St. Louis got the lead on the bullpen. Now, Walker got them in a deficit, the Mets, and the bullpen held held them to zero runs. Bullpen pitched great today. Gave up no runs. All the runs were given up by Walker in his start. So it wasn't a great start, but the bullpen bailed him out. Well, the, really, the hitters bailed him out, but the bullpen stopped the damage. They stopped the bleeding. It was a great game. Again, just like so impressive. The fact that they were able to score seven runs in this ninth inning and you look at the amount of runs that they were able to score in this ninth inning with two outs, it's just, it's crazy. There were two outs. They got the second out. It was four to seven. They were able to score four runs with two outs. On Philly's closer, first blown save of the season. Same thing happens in St. Louis. First blown save of the season for two closers, thanks to the Mets and their comebacks. It's just, it's great, and it's great to see. It's something special. It's something you wouldn't have seen by the Mets in the past years this is the kind of thing that it's like the Mets would have given up they would have been the ones up 7-1 blowing it in the top of the ninth so it's just great to see in the other direction it's a rejuvenated team it's a different team from last year's team this team I'm saying it it's special at least right now they may change and they may turn out to be bad but right now it looks like a special team they're 19 and 9 they're third overall second in the National League first in the division with a five-game lead we're, one, we're only one month in. However, it looks like something special is happening in Flushing. And I'm just excited to see it because it's a long time coming. Molly, what are your thoughts? I understand it's only April. I understand, you know, to be a New York sports fan means to expect the worst. And I think the Mets are defying all the odds right now. We were expecting the normal New York Mets, the start off in April being very high. And then it all just starts to crumble. But I think this, I don't want to say it. I think we're just doing really well right now. And I think if we keep it up, we're on a very good trajectory and path right now. Every single series we've played has been a win. We haven't met New York Mets history that has not happened. I think there's something special going on, but I don't want to say it. Because if I do, y'all are going to come for me when something bad happens. But I'm not going to say anything. It's, it's something special. Their worst series of the year was the series they just had. It was a 2-2 split. Four games, they split it 2-2. They're the only team in the league that has not lost a single series yet. It was them and Toronto, and Toronto just lost their series to the Yankees. While they have not been able to win every series because they just 
the first series that they did not win was that series in Atlanta. Not in Atlanta, I'm sorry, against Atlanta in New York, where it was a 2-2 split where the Mets swept the doubleheader on Tuesday. Those were their two wins in that series. They're playing great as of right now. As of right now, I really don't want to jinx anything, but there have been special moments already, and it's May. They already have two great comebacks that show the grit of this team with great scoring with two outs. And they have pitched a no-hitter already. I don't care if you think a combined no-hitter is not a real no-hitter and it's not the same. It is the same. It's a no-hitter. They did not give up a hit. Second in history. The first one was 2012. That was not a special season. I get it. But this season, all these things are happening right now, and it's so early on, too. So many special things have already happened. I hope they stay on this trajectory. I hope they keep winning games. I hope it is something special. You know, I feel like they always fold once you get to May and June. But I, I, I fingers crossed. I hope they don't. It's going to be really sad if they screw up and they fold their season now, but it it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. It feels like something special is happening. That's just how I feel. Also, I would like to mention that you are talking to the two fans of two football teams who won the 2022 NFL draft. The New York football did an amazing job this draft. New York football knew what they needed. They saw, they came, they conquered, they got who they wanted. They got the best in the field. They were strategic. They knew exactly who they wanted. There were no screw-ups. There were no, what were this? What was this pick? What was that pick? Every pick was strategic. It was what they needed, and it was the best of who was needed. Yeah, I would agree. The Giants, they got the pieces they needed. They kind of fell into their laps. Great drafting position. They got two solid guys. D-line, O-line. Not bad. I was incredibly impressed, though, by the initiative that the Jets took. They draft Sauce Gardner, fourth overall, a pick I was not a fan of at the time, at the time. Tenth overall, they draft Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Fine. Then I'm watching the TV. I'm watching Jermaine Johnson, Mel Kuyper's 11th overall prospect on the board to begin the draft. Projected ninth overall in his final mock draft, or Todd McShay's final mock draft. One of the ESPN final mock drafts projected ninth overall. He's falling. We're in the teens now. 14, he's not drafted. 15, he's not drafted. I'm like, the Jets need to trade up. The Jets need to trade up. The Jets need to trade up. I'm like, oh, they're not going to trade up for him. I turn off the TV because I have to do something. I check back on my phone. I see Jets number 26, select Jermaine Johnson the second, edge, FSU. I got so excited. They got the guy they needed. What a steal. What a steal. They only had to trade up eight spots or something like that to get this guy that was arguably a top 10 prospect in the draft. Just let that sink in. Day two, they trade up a few spots. Get Brees Hall, number one running back in the draft. The Jets got the number one cornerback in the draft, CB. They got the number one wide receiver in the draft. They got the number one 
running back in the draft, and they got a top 10 prospect at edge, a position they needed to fill with Jermaine Johnson the second. And what a steal it was. So great job on paper by both the Jets and the Giants. Thing is, though, I, I want to see the season. I want to see what happens because they haven't had a great draft in my life, the Jets, but I still like it seems too good to be true. Like, I feel like they're they're not going to succeed. I, I feel like I need to see them succeed before I can feel like they've accomplished something, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was originally worried. I will be honest. Before going into the draft, when I heard the news of the no five-year extension for Daniel Jones, I was like, my God, we're going to draft a quarterback. Why do we want to draft a quarterback? This is a bad quarterback class. This this draft class was really a very heavy defensive draft class, which was what the Giants needed. If Daniel Jones is going to start this year, they need to protect Daniel Jones and give Daniel Jones more room to make passes. That was a struggle all of this season, and that's what's seen it this season. Obviously, we got O-line, which was amazing. Very happy about that. But I was worried, oh my God, we're going to draft a quarterback. Next year is the year for quarterbacks. I think we all know this. We have There are so many quarterbacks hopefully going to project it next year in the 2023 draft class. That's when the Giants just start focusing more on wide receivers and start focusing more on quarterbacks. This year was not the year for quarterbacks, and I'm glad the Giants front office realized that and they realized the more important matters in front of them, which was fixing their O-line and getting some more defense. See, that's the thing. You don't really know if next year is the year for quarterbacks because if you looked a year ago, it looked like this year was going to have a lot of good quarterbacks. So you don't know until the draft is coming up. I think there are some good QBs, but it, it really depends on well, the college football all season. Goes, if all goes perfect in the perfect universe, next year is looking very good. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. It, it, it looks good right now. You really don't know until the college football season at least begins. Then, then you get an inkling. Well, it, it, it kind of got a little funky this year just because it was COVID eligibility and some people took another year. So I think yeah, that's really what it, it the COVID really screwed up eligibility as well. So a lot of the people who thought we're going to go this year took another year. So they're going to go in 2023. So obviously I think it's a little, it's obviously got a little funky this year, but I think as COVID starts to settle and eligibility starts to get a little bit more back on where it was pre-COVID, I think that's when it started going to become more, I don't know. I think it, I think it's less about eligibility and it's more about underperforming. For example, Spencer Rattler was a top prospect. He underperformed this year. A lot of the guys underperformed their projected first rounders and they either stayed another year when it went in the fifth round, like they had bad seasons. So that's why we need to wait to see next year. And just a shout out to Todd McShay. Please stop making these way too early NFL mock drafts. The draft mm. just ended. I don't need a mock draft for 2023. I'll show you a 2022 mock draft. And, and you'll see how crazy it is compared to this year's draft. First overall, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. He wasn't even in the draft. He transferred to South Carolina. He had a bad season. He was benched. The first overall pick in this draft, supposedly, Spencer Rattler. He was benched, and then he transferred to South Carolina. He's still playing college football. Second overall, Sam Howell, QB North Carolina. He was drafted in the fifth round, for some perspective. Fifth rounder. There were, I don't know how many QBs in this mock draft for this year, for the, the 2022 mock draft going in the first round. Probably something around six, five or six. 
Kenny Pickett was not one of them. Kenny Pickett was the only guy who happened to be drafted in the first round of this year's draft, yet the mock draft didn't even have him. For some other perspective besides that, the number one overall pick in Trayvon Walker wasn't even on the mock draft board at all. Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, was projected number 32. So they get these completely wrong. So just if you look at an NFL mock draft already for next year, it really, it means nothing. And so much can change. I also, I don't really understand why he has CJ Stroud in front of Bryce Young. Bryce Young just came off a Heisman season in Alabama, led them to the national championship game. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud, while a Heisman finalist, did not win the Heisman and also didn't make the CFP. So I don't really know why C.J. Stroud is in front of Bryce Young. We have no idea what's going to happen next year, but I feel like as of right now, Bryce Young is the top guy on this QB list. Also, watch out for Spencer Rattler. This guy was the projected number one overall pick a year ago in this year's draft. So if he has a great year at South Carolina, you could see him at the top of that board. He could win the Heisman. So there are a lot of unknowns for next year, which is why I think it doesn't make sense to make mock drafts for next year this early. I, I don't think it does either, honestly. Also, people don't, you, you, I'm, I'm sorry, they're not needed. Let the college football season happen and then maybe start making these mock drafts. Exactly. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Someone could have a career ending injury. What, I don't know, God forbid, Spencer Rattler has a career ending injury. And then he, what happened to your number one projected pick, huh? Your number one projected pick. shattered his leg so now he can't go project number one because he can never play football again exactly like cj stroud number one guy in next year's draft if he got injured he is not exactly he could also just have a bad year and then he might not even go in the first round look at the qbs this year so many of them projected First-rounders. Carson Strong, a projected first-rounder in last year's mock draft, he went undrafted. He did not go off the board. Think about that. This, it's unneeded. Like, give us a week. Let us take a break. Hmm. We don't need all the mock drafts. Let's watch a couple weeks of college football and then maybe make a mock draft. See what happens. Don't Don't make one the day after the draft. Because that just exactly. doesn't make sense, too. Because you're only relying on last year's performance when there is a whole nother year ahead of you. Exactly. Bryce Young, for example, he could repeat as a Heisman winner and go number one overall. But he could have a bad year. He might not even be a Heisman finalist this year. And then he could go out of the first round. Be a second rounder, a third rounder. Who knows? So that's why I feel like you need to see the season before you jump to conclusions. And like, it doesn't matter if you put way too early on it, like stop making them. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We had a fun time recording it. So that means we hope you had a fun time listening to it. We'll be back soon with another episode talking even more playoff hockey, even more New York Mets baseball, and maybe some football. We'll see what happens if there's some big New York football news that just needs to be addressed, but we'll see what happens. I'm Molly. I'm Teddy. Seven run ninth inning.
Huge comeback. 8-7 win in Philadelphia. 19-9 on the season. Let's go. It's all about the Mets, baby.